currently and it's been a complete disaster. Um, kind of depends how many days I've been away for as to how much of a disaster it is to sort out. But um, I just imagine that for a moment. Um, this morning, I'm going to continue our series on um, being empowered. We're leading up to Pentecost in two weeks' time. And I'm going to look this morning. I'm going to ask three questions about spiritual gifts that hopefully um, we'll, I will answer. If And if you have those questions, then bonus. If you didn't have those questions, they might be interesting. So hopefully this morning we'll look at that. Um, but when I was thinking about spiritual gifts, when I was looking at it... Um, when you, you can read lots of different books about it. When I talk to other followers of Jesus, other Christians about their impressions of spiritual gifts, it seems that there isn't always um, clear thinking. There is a little bit of confusion. Um, go back to walking into your house and things not quite being where you expected them to be um, or pass- possibly the complete disaster um, as a result of people doing having fun probably in your house. Um, there is a bit of confusion about spiritual gifts. And if you're in that category, if you're not quite sure about them, then you're not alone um, because there is confusion um, quite, quite widely within the church about the subject of spiritual gifts. Um, and so we're going to look at some passages in the Bible. I think if we read the Bible, um, then I think it's not actually that complicated, um, which might sound quite arrogant for me to say. Um, but I'm going to answer three questions that, that some people have about spiritual gifts and maybe you do too. The first is, why is there confusion? Why isn't it really clear what the spiritual gifts are and why we have them? I'm going to ask the question, what is the purpose of spiritual gifts? And I'm going to ask the question, why don't we seek them more readily? And I'm going to do it really quickly because I want to get onto praying for some more people and seeing what the Holy Spirit wants to do. So firstly, why is there confusion about spiritual gifts? I think there's two reasons. The first is because Satan is sowing confusion. So the spiritual gifts are like the power tool energized by the Holy Spirit that God uses to build his kingdom here on earth. So there's no surprise at all that the enemy, Satan, wants to cause confusion around the subject because ultimately he wants a weak, ineffective, spiritually dead church. So he's having a field day. He doesn't want a church that can break people free from addictions, that can heal the sick, that can cast out demons. He he doesn't want a church that ministers to the poor, that is not racially diverse, that is not effective in reaching the lost and discipling them. So he is sowing seeds of confusion all over the place. He doesn't want these spiritual gifts, these power tools of, of the Holy Spirit to build the kingdom of God here on earth. Secondly, there's often a lot of commentary about spiritual gifts by people that don't experience them and have never experienced them. There's so much about the Christian life that we we can't understand or explain unless we experience it. And it might be that you're here this morning um, or you're listening to this recording in a small group later on this week and you haven't yet decided to follow Jesus, just so that you know that there's things that I might talk about, there's things that we will talk about in church that you won't fully understand until you have said yes to following Jesus. Imagine Christianity, following Jesus is a bit like a cathedral. Go with me on this one. So we've got one in the city centre, haven't we? Um, And it's got stained glass windows. From the outside, those windows look fairly grey and indistinguishable. You can't really tell what they look like. 
you step inside the cathedral and you see the sun shining through those windows and suddenly there is a colored picture, a picture of Jesus and often depicting um, a, a story from the Bible. Suddenly the brilliant colors are on, are on show. And it's a bit like that with understanding spiritual gifts. You can stand on the outside and you can try and explain or understand but it's just like a grey window that is a bit indistinguishable. But yet when we learn to, to experience them, when we step out in trying different gifts, the confusion lifts and we, believe, we understand more. You know, in, in the vineyard, we believe that the spiritual gifts that I talked about in the Bible are absolutely for every follower of Jesus here today on earth. Everybody gets to play it's one of our favorite lines. We have all been given gifts, all of us. Whether you think you have or not, we have all been given gifts by God, and he wants us to use them. If you're here this morning and you haven't ever said yes to following Jesus, then all you need to do is say yes to him in your heart, to surrender control of your life to him. And I promise you, it will cost you everything, but it is worth absolutely everything. I'd love to talk to you at the end if that's you. Okay, so why is there confusion? Because Satan is so in confusion and because there's so much commentary around it for, with, by people that don't understand them and don't experience them. My second question is, what is the purpose of spiritual gifts? Again, two answers. The first one is to glorify the triune God. So if you've got a Bible, then please do turn to 1 Corinthians 12, um, if you don't have a Bible and you would like one, we've got some on the table at the back. They're free. You can take one, keep it, um, and read it. There we go. Um, so 1 Corinthians 12, and I'm just going to read from verses 4 to 7. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Okay, so this passage shows, um, shows, to us, shows us that the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all involved in spiritual gifts. Verse 4, the Spirit is talked about. Different kinds of gifts are given, but the same Spirit distributes them. Verse 5, there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord, Lord Jesus. That's talking about the Son. And then verse 6, uh, there are different kinds of working, but all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spiritual gifts are given to us so that, the, so that our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit can be worshipped, glorified, and praised. So if you, if you ever want to look more in the Bible at these different spiritual gifts, the four, different spiritual gifts, there are four main passages that talk about it. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4.11. 1 Peter 4.11 says this, If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So when spiritual gifts are in operation, when they are at work, the result is always that God is glorified and praised. 
There's so many examples in Scripture. I'm just going to look at one. Uh, remember, for those of you who have read any of the Bible, those four guys that took their paralyzed friend to meet Jesus. He lays on, hands on him and heals him. So in that situation, the story is in Luke 5. Uh, the, the gift of, of healing is in operation. And what is the result of that healing? Yes, the man gets up and walks. Luke 5, 25 to 26 says, Immediately he stood up in front of them. He stood up. He'd been paralyzed lying on a mat. Took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Other translations say he went home glorifying God. Then verse 26, everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They glorified God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. So when spiritual gifts are in operation, people are drawn upward towards God, giving him the glory and the praise. That alone is a good enough reason for us to step out and to try um, the gifts that God has given us. And when we ask about the purpose of spiritual gifts, it's important to remember that they really are gifts. There are different kinds of gifts, it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 4, but the same spirit. And yes, there's been confusion. And there is confusion about the gifts because some people think that they're linked to what we do and how we perform and how good we are. But they are not based on merit. They're not given to us on a job well done. We can't earn them. Now, cash your minds back to Christmas. I'm guessing that some of us in here bought gifts for different people. Did you buy those gifts for people because they'd earned them? They'd earned the right. I know there's a whole narrative about good list, naughty list, rah, rah, rah. That's a whole other sermon. Um, but generally, we buy gifts for people because we love them because we want to give them a gift, not because they have done well or they've earned the right to have gifts from us. Maybe if that's why you buy gifts for people, come and have a chat to me later. Um, but God gives gifts to his children. We are his children. You know, there is no relationship between spiritual gifts uh, given to us by God and someone's level of spiritual maturity. I'm not saying that we shouldn't aim at spiritual maturity, but there is no correlation. As disciples, we want to grow up before we grow old, as John Wimber used to say. The only condition for spiritual gifts is that we want them and we ask for them. How often do we ask God to give them to us? How often do we ask for what we need? You know, God is sovereign and he gives spiritual gifts to whomever he pleases. But I have found in my life that the more I ask, the more he gives. We can't outgive the giver. So the second reason for spiritual gifts, so the first purpose for spiritual gifts is to glorify the triune God. The second reason is to build up the church, to build up the body of Christ, to build up this community of faith. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Each gift has the purpose, is purposed for building up the church, God's family. You know, sometimes certain gifts get suppressed or shut down. 
And when that happens, people don't feel like they don't fit in, they don't have a place to belong. On the other hand, when gifts are released, everybody gets to play. People come and they know that they're needed, that they know that they belong and that they have something to contribute. You know, when Paul's writing this letter to the church in Corinthian, Corinthia, he is um, Corinth even, sorry. Um, when Paul, because I wrote here, when Paul writes to the Corinthians, the people that lived in Corinth, right, we've got that, sorry. Um, he's writing to the first church, the early church, and, um, and they would have been groups much smaller than this. They met in people's homes, and they probably would have been 20 people-ish. I don't think any of our small groups are 20 people yet, but um, I want you to imagine that he's writing this not for these Sunday gatherings, although we absolutely embrace it, but he's writing this for our small groups. In each of our small groups, we want all of the spiritual gifts to be in operation. We want people to be praying for healing, for prophesying over each other. We want people to be setting people free from demons, all in our small groups. You know, that's why in the vineyard we love small groups so much. Spiritual gifts are to build up the body, and that I think that happens best in small groups. I don't know how many of you go to the gym, um, probably more than you than. Well, I don't even go to the gym, although I used to, and I do love going to the gym, mainly because it's a perfect opportunity to just watch people, um, obviously, and do a bit of exercise as well. Um, but I don't know if you have been to the gym, go to the gym, just picture what it's like to go to the gym. Um, and there's various different um, equipment that you can use, and, and depending on what you want to work out, you use that bit of equipment, don't you? So if you want to like, get really big like muscles, you might bench press. I don't even know what bench pressing is. Do you do that or this? that okay <laughs> something like that <laughs> sorry um i said i was going to be quick and i'm totally like this isn't in my notes at all um <laughs> but when you go to the gym you might if you but then if you want to work on your cardio you might be like on the bike or the cross trainer or the rowing machine is that cardio as well yes thanks alex you obviously go to the gym this is really helpful thank you um and i like i know that if you go to the gym and you only do one thing you're going to really build up that specific area you're going to focus on that but then the rest of you might be a bit lopsided, perhaps. And it's a little bit like that tenuous link, apologies, uh, with spiritual gifts in the church. We can decide that we're only going to do evangelism, a really good thing. But then if we don't practice any of the other gifts, we become a church that's slightly deformed. It's a little bit like saying to your body, you can only use your right hand. You're not allowed to use your left hand. You're not allowed to use your feet. You just have to do everything with your right hand. We don't want that. We want to be bodies that function well and wholly, don't we? So we as a church, we don't want to be deformed. We want to be as strong as we can be. So that means that we need to embrace spiritual gifts and not shy away from them. You know, cessationist point of view would say that spiritual gifts stopped either when the Bible was canonized, basically agreed what was in the Bible, um, or the end of the first century or when the last apostle died. And some followers of Jesus believe that. They believe that they stopped then. We don't. I can talk a bit about more about that with people if they'd like to. Um, but Satan has been sowing seeds of confusion. Uh, people are commentating on spiritual gifts that have no experience of them. But yet they are vitally important to glorify God and to build up the body. And I think that there is a personal dimension to this as well. 
It's like, you know, if we're standing on the outside of the cathedral, the, my invitation to you this morning is to come inside and see the sun shining through the stained glass window. My third question, why don't we seek spiritual gifts from God? And I think firstly, it's because many of us are dealing with disappointments with God. Maybe you um, have a sickness or an illness and you have been praying to be healed or a loved one and you haven't yet seen healing. Maybe you've prayed for healing for somebody and they have not been healed and they've died. Perhaps you have wanted to receive the gift of tongues and you haven't yet and you feel disappointed about that. Maybe you've tried to give a word of knowledge or a prophecy to someone and it's just totally flopped. I've done that twice this week, offered a word, and they, I said, does that make sense? And they've gone, nope. I'm like, okay, I tried, I tried, just for the sake of realness and authenticity. But maybe you feel disappointed. Maybe you've been praying for a loved one to meet Jesus, and it just feels like it's never happening. Just so that you know, everybody deals with disappointment from God, all of us. Even those people that you think are really holy, they still deal with disappointments from God. You know, when we try to move in, in God's power, when we try to exercise spiritual gifts, I guarantee that we will meet with failure. And we have to learn to be okay with that. We have to learn to still step forward, to still step out, even though we might have got it wrong or it's not worked in the way that we wanted it to. We will never be successful in moving forward in God's power if we don't embrace failure. You know, the kingdom of God is a bit like a picket fence. The now and the not yet. You might have heard us talk about it. We're going to talk a bit more about the kingdom of God in a few weeks' time. But you look at a picket fence, it's not all wood and it's not all space. It's both. There is wood and there is space at the same time and it's offence, and it's not offence at the same time. The kingdom of God is already here, but it's not yet here. We have to live in the tension of that. So embracing failure is something that we'll need to learn to do. And when we seek to move in the spiritual gifts, the other really important thing to remember is that it's not about us at all. So even if we're dealing with disappointment from God, it's not about us. It's not about me, my abilities, or my lack of them. It's all about God. Sometimes God breaks in, sometimes he doesn't. And we have to live in that tension. And Whenever you try to use a spiritual gift, you step out, and it may feel like you've failed. It's not a failure. It's just that you're living in that tension. So keep trying. Faith isn't about what you believe. It's about what you do with what you believe. At the Vineyard Leaders Conference a few weeks ago, there was a guy called Jordan Seng who spoke, who leads a Blue Water Church, Open Water Church, in Hawaii. can't remember the name of the church, but I remember it was in Hawaii, thinking, hello. Um, and he talks about faith being spelt T-R-Y. We need to try. We need to step out. Faith isn't about what we believe, it's about what we do with what we believe. So why don't we seek spiritual gifts from God because we're dealing with disappointment? Secondly, because sometimes there's personal discomfort. You know, 
for some of us, it's not that you don't think that spiritual gifts are biblical. It's just that you feel uncomfortable. You feel uncomfortable with this kind of supernatural thing that you don't know if it's me or if, it's, if it is God. And, and actually, there's an element to which get used to the uncomfortable. I think that is a quote from Tilly Ramsey on Strictly Come Dancing two years ago. She said, I've just got to get used to being uncomfortable. I'm like, yes, with spiritual gifts, get used to the uncomfortable, embrace it. That wasn't in my notes either. We'll finish soon, I promise. Okay, um, so we, might, we need to embrace the uncomfortable when it comes to spiritual gifts. It could be that because of your upbringing, because of your past, you are a control freak in a nice, I say that in a nice way. It could be that you've, ex- it could be that you've experienced trauma or pain in your past. And so being in control is really important to you. And so letting go of control, not knowing the exact time or place or, or what it is concretely that God wants to do is really scary. And I appreciate that. I really do. And so maybe this morning, it's an invitation from Jesus to begin to trust him in this process or to continue trusting him, to ask him to build trust in you so that you can release control to him. God wants us to trust him with everything, absolutely everything. And right now, the Holy Spirit is inviting us to risk and to trust him to trust him specifically a little bit more in these areas of of spiritual gifts, to try it, to step out, to maybe acknowledge the uncomfortableness, but try it anyway. And I know from some of the conversations I've been having with a few of you, that some of you over the last few weeks have been stepping out and offering words of knowledge or prophecies to people, offering to pray for people. And we just say, yes, well done, well done. And let's keep doing this. So... Why don't we seek spiritual gifts from God? Because we are disappointed with God. There is personal discomfort. And thirdly and finally, because it might be that we have had distorted teaching around spiritual gifts. You know, if this is your first church that you've ever been part of, then um, you'll probably be on a similar page to what we think. If, if you've been part of different churches before you've come to be part of this church, you could have had various different teaching on spiritual gifts. You know, if you've come from a more Pentecostal church, um, more on that end of the spectrum, it might be that you've been told that if you don't speak in the gift, of, if you don't speak in tongues, then you haven't got the Holy Spirit. It might be that you've experienced prophecy that has been flaky or false. It might be that you've been in environments that have been hyper... Um, emotional and and demonstrative and that has turned you off you've kind of gone I don't want anything to do with that that's weird it could be that you've been in a church from the other end of the spectrum where you maybe have opened you've taught spoken in tongues and you've been told that that isn't active today and that's demonic there are different spectrums throughout the whole of the church globally we believe that the proper use, sorry, the proper response to the misuse of spiritual gifts is the proper use of them. And that is that we, we ask for them and we step out in them. You know, we study the Bible to see what the Bible teaches about spiritual gifts. And we ask God to show us what the truth is. And sometimes if we have embraced teaching that is faulty, 
We need to renounce that and we need to ask God to forgive us and break its power over us. Ultimately, spiritual gifts are for the glorification of God, to glorify our triune God and to build up the local church. And they're available to us all. And we want to have them, we want to ask for them, and we want to use them. What's not to love about that? Okay, I'm going to stop now. And my question is, what Holy Spirit, what more do you want to do? So why don't you stand and we're going to pray.